Welcome to EAZO Podcasts. We're delighted to have Dr. Anastasios Stathis here with us today to discuss pharmacologic interactions with new drugs. Good morning. Please take a minute to introduce yourself. I'm Anastasio Stathis. I'm a medical oncologist, uh, head of the New Drugs Development Unit and Chair of Clinical Research at the Oncology Institute of Southern Switzerland in Bellinzona. And I would like to thank uh, the European School of Oncology for inviting me uh, to uh, be um, responding over the next uh, few minutes on some questions with regards to uh, pharmacological interactions among uh, new drugs in uh, real life. Our first question for you is, how can drug-drug interactions be defined? Well, drug-drug interactions are those interactions that can occur among concomitantly administered drugs. Um, and in sometimes they can also uh, occur among uh, drugs and uh, alternative medications or uh, herbs or food. Uh, so uh, in, that, in, the, in those cases, uh, those interactions uh, results in changes in the pharmacodynamic effects of a drug. So in the way that a drug acts in the body uh, and thus to, uh, they, uh, they, they can lead to uh, changes in uh, the um, efficacy or uh, uh, safety profile of uh, the drug. Um, Drug-drug interactions can uh, be uh, due to um, either pharmacokinetic pharmacodynamic or uh, pharmaceutical interactions among uh, two drugs or as said previously among a drug and uh, food or herbal uh, medications. Um, those perhaps more studied are the pharmacokinetic uh, interactions and among those, uh, those that uh, involve um, the um, uh, cytochrome uh, P450 hepatic enzymes uh, and uh, um, the, uh, therefore the metabolism of uh, drugs through this, uh, sub, uh, this, uh, um, uh, this uh, um, uh, hepatic enzymes. Uh, other uh, ones may involve uh, pharmacokinetic interactions that can occur, including uh, interactions with P uh, glycoprotein 1 drug transporter, uh, and this can also result in altered drug exposure and finally alter pharmacokinetic uh, properties. Um, now, uh, with uh, uh, regards to uh, the first mentioned example, and uh, the one that is perhaps one of the most uh, studied or those that uh, the one that people are more, uh, more aware, the one through uh, P450 uh, hepatic enzymes, uh, what it happens is that uh, some um, um, drugs can be either uh, inhibitors, so it reduces its activity, or uh, increase it. So they are the, uh, as well uh, as said, uh, CIP inducers. So in that case, of course, when you give these drugs with a drug that is a substrate of uh, uh, P450, you can, uh, uh, this can result in changes of the uh, of the um, uh, pharmacokinetics of the substrate. 
Um, now, finally, as I mentioned previously, uh, there are some other types of interactions, and this can be uh, pharmacodynamic or perhaps less commonly pharmaceutical. So just as a definition, pharmacodynamic are the interactions uh, that occur when drugs have similar mechanism of action, while the pharmaceutical when there are physical or chemical incompatibilities. I see. And how frequent are they? Um, the, there is uh, some uh, data uh, in, uh, uh, in uh, um, cancer patients uh, coming mainly from uh, retrospective uh, cohorts, uh, which included uh, both patients that were uh, treated or evaluated for treatment in uh, uh, clinical trials, where uh, most commonly there is a very thorough um, assessment uh, of a very detailed assessment of the uh, medications that the patient is on because this is a known uh, well-known uh, problem of the pharmacokinetic interactions but there are also some uh, data from some retrospective mainly series in in the clinical life so outside of clinical trials, let's say, um, uh, that have uh, reported that uh, up to 30% in some cases of cancer patients may be exposed to the risk of drug-drug pharmac- uh, interactions. Uh, in some retrospective series, uh, the possibility uh, to be on uh, some medications that could, uh, re- that could lead to major and perhaps clinically uh, significant uh, interaction has been calculated up to uh, from 16 to 30% approximately. And in other studies have reported that uh, uh, up to 10% of patients could would need a a possible change of some of their medications in order to avoid uh, drug-drug interactions. Uh, Now, of course, uh, there are some instances where uh, this problem can be higher, uh, and this is uh, in, uh, let's say, in older patients. So we can, under- because they take many uh, medications, so this is a phenomenon called polypharmacy, and we can, of course, understand that more medications a patient is on, uh, higher is the risk of uh, running into possible uh, drug-drug interactions. Would it be possible for you to give us some examples with new drugs that have been approved for lymphoid malignancies? Um, so um, um, there are examples of uh, new drugs in uh, specific also, uh, as uh, you uh, mentioned for lymphoid malignancies, uh, that uh, um, it is known a risk of possible drug-drug interaction. Um, so this uh, re- uh, this is uh, mainly uh, related to some uh, small molecules uh, that have entered uh, uh, many of them in the clinical practice. Many others are in clinical uh, development. Um, uh, I could mention as an example a class of uh, very important drugs for. Uh, uh, the uh, treatment of lymphoid malignancies going from uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia to uh, some other forms of, uh, of lymphoma, uh, which is represented by BTK inhibitors. So 
BTK inhibitors are um, uh, coming with uh, a, a potential risk of uh, interactions, and this is uh, known since the first-in-class inhibitor, uh, which is uh, ibrutinib, um, and uh, uh, there is the possibility of, uh, inter of pharmacokinetic interactions through interactions with uh, uh, CYP3A um, uh, perpetrators, so inhibitors or inducers, because uh, uh, ibrutinib, it is primarily metabolized through uh, CYP3A. Uh, so, um, uh, the, the compound is uh, registered and uh, uh, there is uh, data uh, done also uh, both clinically uh, showing that uh, there, uh, there are possibilities of interactions with some commonly administered drugs that can, uh, um, example, some um, uh, antifungal uh, medications, uh, uh, and uh, there is clear indications on the uh, approval uh, information of the compound on how to manage this uh, uh, possible uh, interactions. So an example, um, uh, the, the concomitant use of strong CYP3A inhibitors uh, should be uh, avoided, as well as the one of uh, CYP3A inducers. Uh, and uh, um, this uh, uh, possibility of interactions also um, uh, involves other uh, BTK inhibitors, so the newer ones, like uh, acalabrutinib, uh, there is again some possibility of uh, uh, interactions with some specific drugs, and uh, again, uh, the compound, uh, uh, it is approved with some indications and clear um, uh, management guidelines for uh, the possibility of some interactions. In this case, um, it has also been described some uh, possible interaction with uh, uh, proton pump inhibitors. Uh, in addition to BTK inhibitors, uh, also uh, uh, for some other uh, small molecules that uh, have been recently uh, uh, entered, as I uh, said previously, in uh, uh, some indications in the clinical uh, standard treatments, in some others in uh, in uh, clinical development, there has been uh, uh, um, data on uh, possible uh, interactions, uh, and this can also include PA3K inhibitors like copalisib or, uh, or duvelisib, and also uh, venetoclax, uh, which is a BCL2 uh, inhibitor. And again, here, uh, those interactions are again mainly uh, possible interactions through uh, inhibition or reduction of uh, the CYP3A um, um, substrate. So again, I think it's very important that uh, we check regularly uh, the medications of, uh, of our patients. Do you believe that all new drugs have the same risk of interaction? Um, the, uh, the risk of interactions uh, depends uh, on, the, um, uh, on the properties of a, of a drug and, again, on the uh, particular type of metabolism. Uh, so we know that uh, uh, interactions uh, with uh, uh, some small molecules, as some of the examples I did uh, previously, um, can happen. Uh, this is something that has been studied with uh, PK studies and, um, um, uh, and uh, people are now, uh, of course, aware uh, and uh, there are guidelines of management. Uh, well, 
Of course, it's not, let's say, uh, something that is related with all new drugs. So if we think on uh, um, uh, on proteins, like on uh, monoclonal antibodies, perhaps uh, this is a problem that is not um, such uh, frequent. So in general, with uh, uh, monoclonal antibodies, uh, this is not uh, a, a problem, perhaps, as it can be with some uh, small uh, molecules. Of course, uh, again, one should uh, um, uh, always think on uh, how this, uh, um, these uh, uh, drugs are, uh, are, are, uh, um, are formed. And, uh, for example, if we, uh, if we think on some antibody that conjugates, um, uh, based on the chemotherapy part that they are uh, constructed with, uh, then in some cases there can be some pharmacodynamic interactions with other drugs. And in light of this, what do you suggest uh, to be the best management practices? Uh, well, this, there is no doubt that uh, the best uh, management for this uh, situation is uh, to be aware uh, of this potential risk for our patients and uh, uh, to check regularly uh, the medications our patients are uh, on. Uh, I think that uh, uh, it is very important, uh, uh, this aspect in uh, the everyday uh, practice. Uh, patients tend to get uh, medications. Uh, sometimes they will get also uh, some, um, let's say, some adjuvant uh, as like, uh, medications or uh, herbal medications. Or, uh, so I think that uh, it is important that we check uh, the uh, medications that the patient is on, we check uh, the, the, the new anti-cancer drugs that we uh, prescribe to the patient to see if there is any, uh, any potential interaction. Uh, and then in case of questions, uh, there are also some databases and of course uh, the pharmacists can be of help uh, in that uh, case, uh, in some cases for the clinicians. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you here with us today. Please remember to follow us on social media for information regarding our upcoming podcasts. Thank you.